I'm Denise. She's a non-fiction editor. And I'm Louise. She's a fiction editor. And together, we're The Editing Podcast. Hello and welcome back to The Editing Podcast. So this time around, we're going to be talking about something that I think it's safe to say we both think are at the heart of the work we do. And that's professional standards. Yep, absolutely. It's at the core of everything, isn't it? Mm. So we're going to look at um, how professional standards are defined and why they're important. And then who's setting them and the tools some organisations are using to set standards and ensure that we as editors demonstrate and uphold them. So let's start by looking at how professional standards are defined. Okay, then. So, so what we're dealing with here are the knowledge, skills and behaviours that characterise professional editing and proofreading practice. And we can start by thinking of them as the baseline for effective practice, a kind of threshold that every editorial practitioner should be meeting when they work for clients. And then we can take it a step further and consider standards of excellence, mm. where we're not just meeting a threshold, but we're exceeding it too. Yeah, performing at the very top of our game. And the reason why they're so important in editing in the editing industry is because it's unregulated, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. literally anyone can set up as an editor or proofreader. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's right. It's And it's not like being a doctor or a midwife or a lawyer where there are hoops you have to jump through before you can practice. You can just do it. You can just say, <laughs> I'm an editor and ta-da, there you go. <laughs> You're operational, which yeah. is and it is yeah and maybe you're talented and can do a great job but maybe you're not but you don't realize it because your work's never been evaluated by someone in a position to reasonably make that judgment yeah and that's a problem on two counts first of all it's a problem for clients because someone who has little knowledge of the editorial industry other than knowing that they need help from it can't know whether they're dealing with an editor who's fit for purpose Yeah, and that filters into the second issue. It's a problem for the industry because a market that's packed with practitioners who aren't legally required to meet particular thresholds of competence doesn't really inspire trust and confidence. Yeah, and actually that also leads to a third problem. People working in industries where there are low levels of trust can end up struggling to command rates of pay that meet the cost of living. Yeah, And so what editorial professional standards do is fill the gap created by that lack of regulation and help editors and proofreaders identify what they need to know and do and how they need to conduct themselves in a way that meets and then exceeds a threshold. And that helps to build trust and confidence in the profession and that protects the people who are hiring us. Yeah. So let's have a chat about who's setting those standards, because despite our industry being unregulated, there are professional standards, aren't there, Denise? Yeah, yeah, there are. So we'll talk now about an organisation that we're both members of and that we're, at the time of talking, both involved in running. And that's the Chartered Institute of Editing and Proofreading, or CIEP for short. And one of the core strategic pillars of the CIEP is standards. And yes, while we're both involved in its governance, those standards were already in place long before we got involved. And in fact, that's one of the reasons I was attracted to becoming a member. The idea that an organisation was centering professional standards in an unregulated market was really appealing. Yeah, me too. It was exactly the same for me, because when I joined, I'd left a career in the NHS as a physiotherapist, which is a regulated occupation. Mm. And so I wanted to be part of a community that understood 
the value and the importance of standards. One that was saying, if you want to be part of this, you're welcome, but there are things that you need to do. Yeah, exactly. And there are expectations that we have to meet if we want to become members of the CIEP and remain as members. It's yeah. not just a case of handing over the membership sub and enjoying all the benefits, the stuff mm -hmm. you have to do. Yep. Now, we should say that the CIEP isn't the only editorial organisation with professional standards at the heart of its operations. No, absolutely not. There are others. So the Institute of Professional Editors, which serves editors in Australia and New Zealand, and Editors Canada are two examples of societies also flying the standards flag. Yeah. So let's have a chat about how those standards might be set and communicated because we keep talking about them, but <laughs> listen, listeners who are new to the field might still be in the process of discovering what exactly a client might expect of a professional editor or proofreader. Yes, <laughs> So we'll call on some of the core standards that the CIEP expects of editors and, and seeks to set for the publishing industry more broadly, because that's what we're familiar with. But it's actually worth any listener considering um, joining an editorial society, going and checking out that body's policies and procedures in, relate, relate, in relation to standards. Yeah, yeah. So the CIEP has an extensive code of practice that all members are bound by. And that outlines exactly what's expected in terms of the skills, the knowledge and the behaviours of an editorial professional. And breaching that code of practice has got consequences for your mm. membership level and even your ability to retain your membership. Yeah, I really respect that, what it includes and, and, there, and, and that there are consequences for poor practice. Um, and yeah. the, the whole fact that it's not just about your um, editorial skills, but your behaviours yeah. as well. That's really key. Yeah. And it means that we as editors are clear about what's expected, but it also gives our clients a right to reply, which reassures them if they're unhappy with a member's work, they can complain. Yeah, yeah. And actually, that's why there are so few complaints. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> members know what's what and learn the necessary skills and knowledge and behaviours to ensure that they won't be in breach of it. Exactly. I also really love the CIEP's graded membership structure. So in order to move through that, a member has to demonstrate various levels of competency in regard to core editing skills, training and CPD, and they have to supply references or they can take an editorial test that assesses their core skills. Yeah, yeah. And underpinning that, there's a curriculum of professional development mm. and that shows editors and proofreaders what they must know what they might need to know in order to carry out certain types of work and which learning materials like training courses can help them do that. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and wondering what professional standards you should be working to, check out one of the editorial societies, societies listed in the show notes at the end of this episode and find out what their position on standards is. Mm. Are they centering them, setting them, promoting them, insisting upon them for members and assessing the degree to which members are upholding them? And do they have a code of practice, a curriculum, a graded membership structure and a complaints procedure that protects clients? Do they have a training programme that supports standards or do they recommend other trusted providers who can help? Yeah. And do they have guidance on how you should be behaving when you communicate the terms of a project, the time frame, the fee, privacy and confidentiality? file delivery, file security, and other aspects of data protection? And are there consequences if you breach the code of practice or don't meet standards of excellence? It seems like a lot, but if they do do all that, it's a <laughs> solid indication that they're committed to your professional development and to building confidence in our industry. Yeah, and you've got a pathway you can follow to ensure your clients are working with someone who's fit for purpose. 
Exactly. So that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening to us again. If you'd like to help support the editing podcast, you can join our Patreon community for only £3 a month. We'd love to have you on board. So if you're interested, hop over to patreon.com forward slash editing podcast. All our patrons get exclusive access to a huge batch of transcripts. We'll pop a link in the show notes for you. In the meantime, she's been Denise. And she's been Louise. Join us again next time. Bye. Bye.